0: Today we celebrate Christ the King. Uh, And Christ the King Sunday is always the last Sunday of our liturgical year. Um, Next week we kick off Advent. Um, So it's a way for us to, to reflect on the culmination of the entire year. Everything we've celebrated to this point from Advent through Christmas season to ordinary time, Lent, Easter, all of it is leading us up to today. In recognizing who Jesus Christ is and where His kingdom reigns, I know for us we may look at language like "Christ the King," um, thinking of a king and queen. I, for us in an American context, um, usually we don't like kings. We fought a war in the 1700s, in the late 1700s, to, to throw us to to overthrow. A king that was in England, right King George in England, that was why the American Revolution was fought in American context we, we typically like more like a democracy like why can 't it be Christ the President or Christ the the Prime Minister or Christ the representative, like something that like we get a say in what it is that we believe, but the reality is is that our faith is not up for a popular vote. our faith is not something that Um, we necessarily need to put our two cents in. It's something that's given. It's something that's bestowed. It's something that's held. And it's a standard by which we all strive to meet. I think so often in our world, so often in our culture, we see the effects of polarization. Just in the last ten years, Whether it be social media, whether it be because of a 24-hour news cycle that needs ratings, whatever it is, there is a constant, ongoing onslaught of just anger, outrage, and yes, polarization that's pulling people into different camps. Past week, a trial polarized America, continuing just to pull at the fabric of our country, the fabric of who we are as Americans and trying to put us into camps that break a sense of community, that break a sense of unity that pit us against each other. It's so bad that right now, if, if someone if seems to have an allegiance to a certain political party, there are people in, the, in some families that will not speak, because they don't see the world through the same lens. We define everybody by liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, man, woman, black, white, whatever it is, it's constantly just pulling at the fabric of our nation, pulling at the fabric of who we are as human beings and polarizing us into separate camps where we don't want to talk, we just want to argue. Throw in a little social media and all of a sudden, we're just lobbing insults back and forth. No real discussion takes place. Now why do I bring this up? Because I I think with this polarization, it's really easy to demonize the other side, right? Whenever we do that, it's really easy for us to be in our camp in very, very comfortable seeing the world like myself, like very, very easily insulated from any other opinions that might be different than mine. And what happens is, it's really easy for me to look at those people over there that are dumb. Those people over there that are misinformed. Those people over there that are the root of all of the evil in the world. It's their fault. We're not, we're not alone in this. Like This has happened before in human history. And the reality is, is that there's been a many times that the church has been the one on the receiving end. The church has been the one that has been seen as the root of all evil. You see, the church in the, the very early years of the church, the first century... The church started to catch on. Some 60 years after Jesus resurrected, within that first century of the church in Rome, Christianity started to catch on, and, the, and the, the emperor Nero did not like it. So what he did, he blamed the Christians. It was them that were causing discord. It was them that were causing issues because it was compromising his kingdom. And as Jesus says in the Gospels, in one place, a house divided cannot stand. So he would blame the Christians. He set parts of Rome on fire, blamed the Christians, and there was a massive persecution of trying to stamp out this movement of Christianity. Well, Father, that's a really old example. Yeah, it is an old example. I've got another example for us. Less than 100 years ago, and of all places, Mexico, in the 1920s, there was legislation that was passed in Mexico, on our continent, just south of us. There was legislation that was passed that priests, that uh, public expressions of the, of the Christian faith, of the Catholic faith, were no longer accepted. They were illegal. Priests would celebrate Mass in homes and try and hide, and they were dragged out into the street, in their vestments, and were executed by firing lines. A war was fought in Mexico in the late 1920s and early 1930s to overthrow these laws, the Cristeros War, and the rallying cry of the people that fought this war. Many great martyrs came from the church in this, by the way. Blessed Miguel Pro. Jose Sanchez de Rio, some of the greatest martyrs, a 14-year-old boy, Jose Sanchez, beautiful, awesome story that he would not turn his faith, he would not apostatize from the faith that he professed at 14 years old. With all of this, the rallying cry of these of these the Cristeros, of those who were followers of Christ, the Christians that fought this war in the firing line. They would ask him, "What's their last words?" And as Blessed Miguel Pro did, he stretched out his arms like a crucifix, looked looked those about to his executioners in the eyes, and said, "Viva Cristo Rey," which means, "Long live Christ the King." Why on earth would these people? literally looking down the barrel of their mortality, looking down the barrel on their last moments on earth, and the words on their lips are, Vivo Cristo Rey. Associating and praying to God, looking to Jesus as Christ the King. I'm convinced it's because they recognized what Jesus says in today's gospel. That Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Like if we look at today's gospel, it's a very, very interesting thing that's taking place. We have a king of the world. We have a king, not Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic, right? Like we have a king of the world. We have someone, Pontius Pilate, who has all of the authority, he has all of the status, he has all of the power that the world can possibly give. And he's enslaved. What do I mean? If we read, when we read the scriptures, we can tell that Pilate did not want to execute Jesus. Pilate, he's, 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 he has a, he has this kind of like in, inner kind of fight with his conscience, it seems like, in the scripture, because he doesn't want to kill Jesus. If he wanted to kill him, he could have killed him right there, however he wanted. He had the power to do so. But the reason why Pilate ends up ultimately signing Jesus' death notice is because he is enslaved to the people. You see, the Jews brought, they handed Jesus Jesus over to Pilate so that Pilate could execute him because it was illegal for them to do so. According to their faith, they could not do so. According to the Jewish faith, they, they, they weren't allowed to. So they handed him over to the ruthless Roman of the area, and they wanted him to do their dirty work for them. And Pilate ultimately is faced with, the Jews are going to start a riot, and then it's going to blow back on me. It's going to look bad on me to Caesar. So I have to make a call. Do I kill one person, or do I have a riot of the masses? You see, Pilate has all the status and all the power, but he's enslaved because his kingdom is limited. Contrast that with the person he's talking to. Jesus. Jesus has nothing to offer. Jesus has nothing to offer. He's in poverty, he doesn't have a home, he doesn't have a family, he doesn't have a job. Jesus has nothing to offer. And yet, he is completely and totally free in this exchange with Pilate. Because Jesus recognizes that the things of this world don't matter. He's revealing to us that the things of this world, the power, the status, the pleasure, everything of this world is secondary and it's dying and it's wasting away. And Jesus stands as the king of the universe, enslaved to nothing in the world with all boldness can look at Pilate who holds his life in his hands and says you mean nothing to me your power means nothing now why do I call this contrast out because when we're living on our day to, in our daily life, when we're going about our normal routine, when we're bringing the kids to school, and we're going to be sitting at Thanksgiving dinner this week, and when we're getting, going shopping on Black Friday, and we're we cussing people out because they cut us off in the parking lot, and Martin Luther King's a madhouse, and we can't drive, right? Like all these things. When all these things are going on over the course of this week, the question that I ask for all of us is which kingdom... Are you living as a citizen of? Because we can live today as a citizen of this world's kingdom. We can care about the things of this world way too much. We can focus on the things of this world way too much. We can care way too much about what an old guy in, in the White House talked about, or what the assistant-in-law down the street said, or what that person posted on Facebook again. We can care way too much about those things. Or we can live as a citizen of Jesus' heavenly kingdom. We can live today, right now, as a citizen of Jesus' heavenly kingdom. We can focus on the things of the Lord. We can focus on the things of God. We can bring those things and let all this other division and politicization break away and waste away. Because it means nothing. We can build up grace in heaven that's lasting. How is it? What is it that governs your life on a daily basis more? Kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the world? There's a uh, there was a in the first century around the time of Nero. Um, there was a letter that was uncovered that was written from one Roman official to another Roman official. Um, And it's a little bit of a long letter, so I'm not going to read any of it to you. but, But to paraphrase, one of the things that they recognized in this time, in this early persecution of the church, they recognized that Christians were just different. They recognized that there was something very, very interesting about the Christians, the early Catholics of our church. They said Christians, when they live in the world, they live in the world, but they're not of the world. They're not concerned with the things of the world. That when they're walking around, they do things differently. They live in a place, but they're not a citizen. They're not rooted there because they understand that this life is passing. They go about their life differently who they speak what they do like who they speak to what they do the stock that they take in the things the tangible things of the world they recognize that they just approach it differently that's how you and I are called to live we're called to live in this world and change change this world as best as we possibly can but making it all the time looking like the heavenly kingdom bringing the heavenly kingdom for a moment into our daily life. When we come to Mass, if we're living that way, when we come to Mass, it shouldn't just be us coming to Mass and getting our cookie and going to sit down and getting ready and going figuring out where we're going to eat lunch. But when we come to Mass, it's a reunion of us with the King. That we're coming to meet the King of the universe, the one who is and who was and who always will be. he meets us from his kingdom that is not of this world and strengthens us until we meet in heaven and reunited for all eternity today when we come to this mass when we go forth from this mass and live our life what kingdom are we carrying with us what kingdom are we inviting others into are we just trying to build the kingdom of this world that's passing, that's fleeting, that's going to fall and will die? Or are we carrying with us that citizenship, that seal, that we've received at our baptism, our confirmation, that seal, that, which we, that, that defines us and recognizes us as, king, as members of the kingdom of heaven? Our call is to build the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to make it real and present and tangible. Which kingdom are you building? The passing one of this world or the eternal one of heaven? May today we be good architects. <laughs> we be good craftsmen and build the kingdom that will last.